So we're starting our Christmas season. It's first Advent, and I'm just looking as the PowerPoint slide comes up, a Christmas heart. That's what the Christmas season, what I've titled this Christmas season, a Christmas heart. That's the theme. And so we'll be following through that theme. And as we look at that this morning, a Christmas heart brings hope. A Christmas heart brings hope. Hope is an interesting concept. Hope can strengthen a person. Hope can encourage a person. Hope gives energies. It propels a person forward. You can add other descriptors to what hope does. Hope in our culture can also be a, like a whimsical thought, I'll call it. Like, I hope the Rough Riders will win the Grey Cup next year, you know? Oh, boy, I get some heckling already. Yeah. Or, you know, I hope the Oilers will win the Stanley Cup this year. Okay, that's a little bit further away from some of you, but for some of us, we still cheer in that direction. The hope that we find presented throughout the Bible is a hope of a reality that will be established, okay? It's not a whimsical, whimsical hope. That's not what it is. It's a reality that will be established. We are just desiring for that to be established sooner. We want it now. We don't want to wait. That's our hope. The hope that we have as believers in Christ is a hope that's based on the truth and the fulfillment of God's Word. The promises of God are waiting to happen. Every one of them. Today, Advent begins, and the word Advent means arrival or coming. I look at the Advent wreath in front of me. It has four candles, and the traditional Advent wreath represented four Sundays. The four candles represent four Sundays. The first candle represents hope. The second candle, peace. The third, joy. The fourth, love. And the center candle is the Christ candle. This year, as we move through the theme of Advent and a Christmas heart, we're going to just follow the traditional Advent wreath through the season. But I want to challenge you this morning. I want to challenge you this Christmas season to celebrate Christmas in a different way. And it, you know, we've been taught in the area of celebrating Christmas to look back. And we spend a lot of time looking at Mary and Joseph and the manger, the cross. But I want to challenge you this morning to look the other direction, to look forward. The Advent wreath really has the concept of looking forward, not back. The story is told that the Advent wreath first appeared in Germany in 1839, and some of you of German descent will say, yes, the Germans know how to celebrate Christmas. Well, it was a Lutheran minister working at a mission for children who created the Advent wreath. He made it out of a cartwheel, 
He took a wheel from a cart. He placed 20 small red candles and four large white candles inside the ring. The red candles were lit on the weekdays and the four white candles were lit on Sundays. That's the history of our Advent wreath. And eventually the Advent wreath was created out of evergreen, symbolizing everlasting life in the midst of winter and death as the evergreen is continuously green. The circle reminds us of God's unending love and the eternal life He makes possible. Advent itself, when we look at church history, it wasn't until about the end of the 4th century that in the church the concept of Advent was established. Now it was there earlier, it just wasn't called Advent. But it was around the end of the 4th century that it started to take shape. And it was a time of fasting and prayer is what it was. And it was focused on new Christians. It was a time of anticipation and hope. It was not a focus on the past, but it was a focus on the future. We know from Scripture that the early church in its history was anticipating the return of Jesus. The fact of Jesus' birth, His death, His resurrection was a fact. That was established. They were looking forward with anticipation to His return. The celebration of Christmas did not take place till after Advent started to form. And the, really the focus of Christmas, well, it was really the concept of trying to redeem a pagan holiday is really what it was. And that's how Christmas came about. As I think about Christmas and as I think about the Advent season, it would be sad if our faith was a historic faith instead of a future-looking faith, instead of a faith of hope. I wonder how many of us have a historic faith, something in the past. And we always look back to the good old days, we could say. Instead of a faith that looks forward. I think the world has infected the church today. And we celebrate Christmas with a focus on an event 2,000 years ago. God taking on human form, dying, rising from the grave. But we forget that the story is not finished. Do we celebrate Christmas because of an event that has taken place or because of an event that we know will happen? There's the question. Do we celebrate Christmas because of an event that has taken place or because we have hope in a future event? A Christmas heart brings hope. But to place hope in an event that has already happened doesn't really make sense and doesn't do justice to the word hope. 
I hope Jesus will come, and you look back in time. Well, Jesus has come, but he is coming again. I'm reminded of Paul Harvey. Now, this dates me a little bit, but some of you know of Paul Harvey, right? And the rest of the story. Yeah, I see some heads nodding. Oh, man. Some of you, are, of you are too young to have heard of Paul Harvey and the rest of the story, so I'm going to tell you a little bit about this. The rest of the story premiered on May 10th, 1976 on ABC Radio. And some of you are saying, yeah, that's why I wasn't even born then, 1976. Oh, but listen, the series quickly grew to six broadcasts a week, and they continued until Paul Harvey's death in 2009. So some of you were around in 2009 and might have heard of Paul Harvey. Okay, the broadcast would begin with, I'm Paul Harvey. And then after he started a story, before the next break, he would say, in a moment, the rest of the story. <laughs> yeah, some of you are following along on that. And at the very end, he would say, now you know the rest of the story. And he would conclude his radio show, Paul Harvey, Good Day. Have you ever thought about Christmas in that way? And that's what I want to challenge us as a church this year. To think of Christmas with that concept. The early church did. They did. Are we thinking of Christmas that same way? Have you ever told the rest of the story to your family? See, the rest of the story is that Jesus is coming back and that which was promised will literally be fulfilled. Maybe you don't know, maybe you don't know the rest of the story or you've heard the rest of the story by what I call the end time prophets. Maybe the rest of the story that you have heard is that of a rapture and then heaven. And that's it then. The hope that we find in the scriptures has a future perspective. It is a fact that Jesus was born, that he died, that he rose from the dead. This is a past event. But Jesus' birth, death, and resurrection has started to change our world. It changes our world one person at a time as a person accepts Christ, as their world view begins to change, as their values begin to change. But that's not the rest of the story. Now I'll go back to the end time prophets of our day because right now they're having a field day. They're throwing theories around in reference to Israel, the Gaza Strip. They look at scriptures. They're trying to connect historical events to possible prophecy as they write books and create videos. And they become celebrities. As they encourage Christians that they won't have to worry because they'll be raptured before the end happens. And many Christians are just grabbing a hold of this. 
It's an escapism. We have nothing to worry about. But the church in North America is in decline. The church in Europe is in decline. The church in Africa is growing. The church in the Middle East is growing. And are they looking forward to a rapture? No. They're looking forward to the promises of Jesus, the promises of God. You see, we here in North America, we focus so much on heaven, a self-centered heaven. A heaven that's like a Disneyland for eternity. But that's not what it is. The kingdom of God is real. And Jesus is coming back to establish his kingdom. And the scriptures tell us about that kingdom. And I think that kingdom is so different than what we sometimes think it's going to be. The early church was focused on the return of Jesus. Almost immediately after Jesus' death and resurrection, they were looking for that kingdom where truth and righteousness would exist, where you got an honest day's wages for an honest day's work, where there would not be sickness and death, where people would not abuse people, where there would be no slavery, where addictions would not exist and freedom would be the norm. That's what they were looking forward to, what they wanted. And from the scriptures, we tell us that the scriptures tell us that this is true. Already in the church, some had thought maybe we've missed the return of Christ. Paul writes to the Thessalonians in reference to this. In 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 to 18, Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him according to the Lord's word. Jesus is coming back, and he's going to establish his rule and reign for a thousand years, And then for eternity. And we're going to be a part of that. And it's not about us. It's about Jesus. It's about God. Paul basically is telling the Thessalonians, no, you did not miss the return of Jesus. And we have not missed the return of Jesus. Jesus has come, but he's coming again. And as we celebrate Christmas, we should be celebrating Christmas with our eyes on the future, not on the past. Our hope is in the promises of God that still will be fulfilled. A Christmas heart is looking forward to the rule and the reign of Jesus. A Christmas heart brings hope to a world that is still struggling. And it brings hope to this world through little glimpses. As you and I submit to Jesus, the rule and the reign of Jesus begins in our life 
but the transformation of our values and our lives into Jesus. So they get a little taste. But one day, God's rule and reign will be supreme and it will be here in our world. Jesus, in his birth and death, fulfilled over 300 prophecies. Over 300. Yet there are still many, many more prophecies that need to be fulfilled. See, the story is not over. Let me tell you about the rest of the story. The rest of the story is is that Jesus is coming back and he's going to establish his reign. Physically, he is going to be here and he's going to reign around the world. Isaiah gives hope to the nation Israel as it's facing destruction. If we go to Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7, we see this promise. This promise, not just for Israel, but for all of us. It begins in verse 1 of Isaiah chapter 9 with the word nevertheless, because the nation Israel was facing destruction. And yet they were hoping because they knew the promises of God. And so God says in verse 1, nevertheless, even though today you face darkness and destruction, and that might be for some of us too today, we look around, yes, we love Jesus, he's in our hearts, but it still seems like everything goes sideways. There will be a day when Jesus' rule and reign will be here where truth will reign where righteousness will be the norm. The promise of Isaiah in verses 6 and 7 begins as follows. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. I'm going to read verse 7 in just a moment's time. In these two verses, five facts or truths about the Savior of the world exist. And we will see in these five facts that only one has been fulfilled. Only one. So the rest of the story is there are four more facts that will be fulfilled. The one that has been fulfilled is right at the beginning, verse 6, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given. The Savior of the world has been born. God took on human form, entered our world died, was buried, rose on the third day so that reconciliation could take place, so that the kingdom of God would have citizens. Did you realize that? When you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you become a citizen of God's kingdom. The second promise that we find here in the scripture passage, 
Or the second fact is that the Savior of the world will be a ruler, not just any ruler, he'll be a ruler of the world, and the government will be on his shoulders. And if you move to verse 7, which we will in a moment's time, his rule and reign is around the world. That still needs to be fulfilled. That's a promise still in the making. And it's going to happen. 300 promises Jesus has or over has already fulfilled. He's going to fulfill every one of these promises. I assure you of that. The third truth. The Savior of the world and His rule is described in four terms. We usually give these as names to Jesus, but they describe really his rule, his reign. They are descriptors of what Jesus' rule and reign will look like. First, wonderful, counselor. He will be exceptional. He will be distinguished. Wonderful, exceptional, distinguished, counselor. What does that mean? It means the people will want to come to Jesus. We will gather around the feet of Jesus to listen to Jesus. Mighty God. He's going to be more powerful than any other being. Everlasting Father. He has all the attributes of the Father. For God is one. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit is one. And so we'll see the fullness of God the Father in the Lord Jesus Christ when he reigns. And then finally, Prince of Peace. He will bring peace and he will maintain peace. That's the promise of a future hope. That's the promise for you and I. So we move on to verse 7 where it says, of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. The rule of Jesus will not only be during the thousand-year reign, but it will be for eternity. He will rule for eternity not just a thousand years. And then the fifth truth, the final coming of Jesus is totally in the power and timing of God. And Jesus said that. The day or the hour, I do not know. But it's going to happen. It's in the power of God. It's going to happen. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. As you think of Christmas, is this not a Christmas story that you need to tell? Oh, you can start with the manger. You can go to the cross. You can go to the empty grave. But don't stop there. Don't stop there. Continue on from there and say Jesus is coming back and when he comes back, he's going to establish his rule and reign. The wrongs are going to be put right. And we're going to live under his rule and reign. 
And it will be totally different than anything we know. You see, our hope has not been fulfilled. It's still future. It's still future. And I really want to challenge you that this Christmas, that you tell the rest of the story. And as you think of this rest of the story, I hope that you dig into God's word. That you look at the prophecies of what this rest of the story will look like. And it's not a Disneyland for us and it, you know, in, in the way that we think it's different. It's about God's rule and reign. It's about his kingdom. And we are citizens in his kingdom. Obeying him, worshiping him, living in peace and joy and love for eternity. The worship team is on their way up and they're going to lead us in singing a song through it all and then we're going to move to communion. Again, as we think of this future hope, even Jesus presented that future hope to his disciples after they had gathered together in the upper room after they had taken part in communion, Jesus said, I will drink this anew with you in my Father's kingdom. It's a real kingdom, not just a heavenly hope. I'm going to let the worship team lead us in singing. <laughs>